Welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast. I'm Simon Delarue and with us on our latest venture into the world of the tax review is Deputy Chris Blinn. Welcome to you. Good morning and thank you for inviting me. No problem at all. So we've had conversations in the last few days with Deputy Peter Fairbrush, Deputy Peter Roffey, Deputy Heidi Salisbury and they've been uh, uh, giving their views on what should happen next week. It's less than a week to go now before the, uh, the state's debate. Um, Deputy Blinn, you're one of the the um, signatories, if you like, to a, uh, a, a, well, that's probably not the right word. You have uh, put your weight behind a Say No to GST campaign, a public campaign that's been set up, um, one of nine deputies so to do. Um, wh- why did you decide to take that step? That was the very first step in the aspect of, you know, hear the people. There is a strong consensus against GST. There are many, many reasons why. So the first stage was really focusing on a number of deputies willing to sponsor and stand behind this noted GST, working with the public. So that was the first stage. However, within that group, as you know from those nine deputies, there are various amendments and points of view, etc. And that's the second part. The second part is we have GST. We, we, will fight to stop GST, but you can't just say that without having other proposals and other ideas. So the fact that you are um, pictured on our uh, press from uh, last week on, on Friday with uh, those other deputies, um, including Deputy Parkinson and Deputy Meerveld, doesn't necessarily give us uh, an indication as to whether you'll back Deputy Meerveld's Cersei to delay the whole thing or Deputy Parkinson's alternative vision with a territorial tax. So can you spell out your position on those things? Okay, so that's a a really good one, because this is probably one of the most challenging uh, debates and policy letters we've had since the beginning of our term. Um, The range of options has been increasing just in the last few days, uh, as far as the amendments go. So if I start off that I am uh, working with Deputy Meerfeld on the Cersei, um, and now the Cersei, I'll start off with that as it's the ones I'm yeah. directly um, involved with. This one is really, um, before we go down the avenue of raising taxes and extensive taxes, including GST in its full, in its form, um, we should be looking at, well, what size of government do we really want to have? This is a conversation we should have had prior to reaching this point. But at this point, if we don't believe in GST, we have to have alternatives. So if we look at the size of government, you know, it's like on when you um, have your IT system, if it's going to be the basic, the professional or the enterprise model, define what it is. Because the immediate thing that what GST will do to this is it's going to grow government automatically. It will just make it larger, more teams, whether it be for a border control control, customs, um, revenue. So decide first what size to be wanted and then make those changes accordingly. And it would also give us time to identify other areas, which will be such as growth, corporate tax and other changes that can be looked at. That growth is, um, well, in Jersey, uh, we were told at the tax briefing, um, uh, or the open public meeting, I should say, at Beaux-Ajour, um Jersey had 17 people extra employed to deal with their VAT. We're talking about 1% of the amount of money that you bring in with it is is on spent on the administration, the so PNR have said. Um, so it's, it's not growing government to a major... Uh, degree if you're talking about bringing in 55 million pounds a year extra. Okay, so first of all, 
the, the size of the team is one aspect. The IT build-up cost is the other aspect. The structure to actually integrate that into the system is another cost. The cost that will cover it, um, increased um, funding required to actually play, put it in play. I mean, first of all, we're going to have to increase um, uh, subsidies and benefits to certain groups um, um, within within our society to actually to compensate for the bringing in of the tax. So we're paying more out there as well. Um, if there are any index-linked pensions, they will have to be topped up um, also to compensate for the cost of bringing in GST. So there are a number of things there. And let's not forget... The first target is around the 50 million mark, but we know it's 80, which means that within a few years, we'll have to ratchet up the the, the volume, the 5% will have to go up. I believe that Dr. Sloan in his last um, presentation was talking up to as far as 15%. So this is not really something where currently even our revenue system with tax is not up to date. How are we going to bring in something else to make it more efficient when actually we have certain levers and controls already which we can adjust within um, the current revenue earning um, you know, mechanisms, you know, tax, etc. So it's the idea. If GST has to come in, please let it come in when we've expended all other avenues before we take that huge step. It seems to be the position of policy and resources that they have already gone through the process over quite some time of uh, trying to identify efficiencies. Um, Deputy Roffey has said that there is no uh, fat left to trim. Um, so so what sort of... Um, uh, uh, elements of government or what government does are you suggesting can be uh, taken away in order if it is concluded that we need a smaller uh, size of government okay so first of all if we take the Cersei was talking about the size of government we have to make that choice the first point starts with the assumptions um, if we look at how we interpret our accounts how we've always stated that actually 2% of GDP should be spent on capital development and and, 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 and builds and maintenance, etc. Well, historically, we have never been using that figure. We've been using 1.5 or less. In fact, um, a recent conversation was around 30 or 40 million per annum. Um, so if we start putting figures that we're grossly underspending on, on infrastructure and capital, therefore, you know, and we have this deficit, we need to make ensure that those figures have been interpreted correctly. Now, one of the other amendments uh, being brought in by Deputy Soulsby and uh, Deputy um, Saint Pierre um, talks about, you know, let, let's look at how how these figures are analysed in the first place. We know historically every time, and this is a good thing, that every time we've we've looked towards a, a cliff, a precipice fall, etc., it's always invariably been a little bit less onerous than we thought. Let's, let's take during the pandemic, um, and we, we expected the worst, but we gave support to the businesses, all the things there, and actually we were surprised by the increase in duty, the increase in TRPs from purchases, etc. So if it's not as great, everything is being stated to us that this is the worst it can ever be with these timings there. But if we can look at it and, and make some changes around and some of the costs, the expenditure, we all know that we don't always, as government, spend wisely and correctly. Yes, they have talked of investigating all the areas. But let me give examples. When they did the, um, the study of the 90 million marina, um, 
Deputies voted for that study to take place, and including myself, not aware it was going to be with a £2 million price tag. Um, the Alderney runway, um, if we don't, if we are in this dire situation, why hasn't uh, PNR uh, before that, rather than supporting that, noted that we don't have that um, 24 million which is going to increase? So we need those responsibilities coming from our governments to ensure that we don't um, either continue to overspend and also look at how we manage our own departments and areas there to get those costs. I believe that it was um, under um, when we had a, a previous uh, a chief executive who had a task to to bring down costs under the previous um, government. These things didn't happen, so maybe we're looking in the wrong in the wrong way to do that. Now, I appreciate what I'm saying are just words um, of how we see it, but these words fit in in a timely place to say before we jump onto the ultimate uh, regressive tax structure incorporating GST within the rest, let's make other changes and let's make sure that the assumptions that are being made on the cost and the spend are correct as well. Um, you mentioned that the two million pounds that's been spent on the um, the assessment of the pool marina, but isn't that effectively um, speculating to accumulate? Because it's not a ninety million pound price tag that's going to be faced by the taxpayer. It was explained to us at the public meeting the other night. But it's it's an opportunity for investment to come in um, and an investigation to ensure that if the investment is found, then we'll be able to facilitate uh, much updated facilities in our harbour. One of one of the principal pieces of our infrastructure on the island. So uh, th isn't that money well spent? Okay, albeit uh, I know this will be sort of digressing slightly. Let's go back to the fact that during the presentation of that marina, they spoke a lot about um, comparison of Guernsey uh, Marina compared to the whole of the south of England. And the answer was, we are the lowest, uh, cheapest mooring across the whole of the south of England. Now, surely, if that's the case, the first thing that we should have been doing is increasing the facilities and improving it to bring the prices up, rather than trying to do an, an all-or-nothing £90 million, big £45 million wall right at the entrance of the marina, on the basis of build it and they will come. Um, do we have any luxury taxes on these super large vessels coming in? No, we don't. Um, but that's that's another area where we could be actually contributing towards our economy if we're going to do this. When there was um, uh, talk of the QE2 that it was built, and they had estimated that within a number of years, maybe a decade, it would be paid back. During the presentation of that marina project, the £90 million marina project, they actually admitted that they didn't have any um, um, lever or mechanism to, to ascertain what was that um, return of capital and also note in our capital in our accounts when we do a large build whether it be a hospital or a marina we don't actually sort of amortize that figure across a number of years it just disappears from thereafter so although I appreciate you you're trying to say that this would be a bit um, a bill to us uh, or grow help us grow it could possibly but the other side is let's do the things that we can do um, recently there was talk of um, a presentation by uh, Stephen Lansdowne at the Chamber of Commerce lunch and he he made, he made certain sort of comments you know um, arguably I would agree with some but not maybe with all but the principle of it was growth and don't let government get involved let 
businesses grow and develop and arm's length bodies etc um, um one of them was um bring in financial not sorry not financial levies rather but bring in tourist levies and things like that now ironically in september 2021 i remember talk from the guernsey hospitality association saying let's bring in a tourist or a bed levy and and that way with that money um, which would bring circa 900,000 to a million pounds in a small percentage goes back to the industry to grow itself so that's a true concept of an arm's length body that's growing like we have in other countries and leading slightly from that the, sh- the cruise ships that come in I know it's not everyone's cup of tea um, but they're bringing us a pound a passenger for all those passengers who come ashore. In most other places, including on, on tr- travels I've had abroad, it's between 10 and $15. So let's say 10 pounds as average per person on the ship. That would be uh, that would create a lot of revenue and income to help towards the same project of the, the Harbour Marina. Wouldn't it put cruise ships off from coming here, though? Is that the danger? That, that would, seems to be the view of uh, Hannah Beacom, who's just been appointed to the tourism management board okay so if all the other countries are doing it around the world and don't forget we also have other benefits of of that free when they approach the waters there it's fine saying okay we'll keep it at a pound because um we're scared we might lose the business well a lot of the islanders weren't even actually that keen on having that business so we're in a kind of a little middle limbo ground we don't have many ships we don't have a lot um but what does it cost to have people manning crossing the roads to ensure the passengers get to the right place what does it cost to ensure that they have the right um, moorings and tenders to get their boats in and even there that they're not really you know that that um let's say, um, practical or comfortable for the passengers. Just that surely is above the one pound. So taking a pragmatic view, if it's going to work, at least make it the right price to make it work. And don't be scared of at least asking the question. Okay, I, I should actually declare an interest on that because some of those pounds that they spend come my way as in my other job as a historical walking tour guide for the cruise ship. So I, I feel like I ought to put that in there just so yeah, but that's, some, yeah. some listeners might be thinking, hang on. <laughs> anyway, um, so moving on from that, I just want to uh, want to return actually to um, the, you mentioned there about the um, the Alderney runway expenditure. Um, I, we could talk for ages for that, I'm sure, but let, let's keep it fairly brief. But it, um, if you're successful with the Circe, um, would you be looking to reverse that decision? Um, that decision has been made democratically in the Assembly. So, but we can't afford it, you're suggesting. But, but we can't afford it. But when we come to the decision of what we can, wh- what we would like government to look like and what um, services and areas we want to grow and build, then we can make those decisions. So this isn't a case of um, wipe the slate clean and start again. This is a case of with whatever format it may take, I think referendum would be too far, but public involvement to see what it is and how it is that we would like to shape our government and and future-proof it. We are a small island of 65,000. We have a particularly high sort of GDP, mainly through our golden goose, let's say, the, the finance industry. And ironically, that's the bit that's the most sort of um, um, thought challenging area. It should be the finance industry contributing more um, to the island's wealth rather than laying it constantly on the workforce to keep on paying more. 
So how is this review going to be shaped, do you feel? Um, if, if you're successful, the Cersei is carried. Um, what, what, spell out for us the process of this analysis of the size of government. Well, the, the process in effect through the Cersei would be a direction that this needs to be investigated and, and going through so that we end up with a with a sort of... A, so, a sorry, a, of, a, a direction to the Policy and Resources Committee to, to conduct that work? Yes. Okay, so, I mean... That's going to be something that they'll do probably quite reluctantly, as they claim to have done it already. But um, then, then they have to report back by what time? Um, ideally, by or before the end of the, t- of the current term. Right, OK, so a couple of years. Yeah. And then what if they come back, and there, there'll be presumably a requirement for a considerable public consultation. Uh, what if they come back and say, uh, OK, we've analysed what the public wants in terms of government size and role of government and they want it bigger okay so that will come with a price tag because whatever aspect or size of government you wish for a price tag will be will be associated so we will then know so it's fine if you want bigger you will have to pay more taxes if you want smaller we'll have to be more cautious and and make those ends meet like we do in in other enterprises and organizations the, the reality simon is that this is really just one of the amend well as a Cersei is different but it's one of the um pieces going into this debate coming up. Um, If it's okay, I'd like to sort of slightly digress to the other ones going on, because it's all together. This is the first time where I I have a a worry that with the various amendments, the Fairer Amendment um, and the Parkinson Amendment and and a few other ones which are really add-ons, we could end up in a situation which would be worse than anything, is that no decision at all is come to. And that is personally one of the the fears I've got. So the approach I've been taking, and I'm sure other colleagues um, have been doing so as well, is trying to work alongside other deputies. So I I have been in communication with Deputy Soulsby and St. Pierre to talk to see how we could fit. I've been to the presentations of Deputy Parkinson. Deputy Parkinson's amendment, as much as I support the fact that he sees the, or he negates the need of uh, GST, and he sees the corporate tax as the, uh, the main area, uh, I totally support and validate that aspect. But the drive towards the territorial tax model, um, I severely have, I have very, very serious concerns. Um, The nature of the amendment seems to talk about um, uh, the design of it, as opposed to just the investigation of it. And the reason I I, I specify those sort of terms uh, specifically is because if we adopt a model of territorial tax not in sync, not in line with uh, jurisdictions such as Jersey and Isle of Man, the the consequence of that would be that the business would move to those other jurisdictions. Now, in the long term, um, past 27-28, so whatever we do, by the way, there's always going to be this time gap, territorial actually could be the best option for Guernsey. So it's about timing. So because it's about timing, that's why we have to try to work on all the other aspects. If it had been about um, um, a direction or the research of of um, negotiating with the other jurisdictions to see how we could work this together, then I would be 100% behind that as well. 
So how is this going to play out then tactically if you've, if you've now had these discussions with uh, other politicians? Um, because obviously if, the, if you're, well, sorry, not your Cersei, if Deputy Mirveld Cersei, which you are backing, is successful, then that blows those two other amendments out of the water. So are they then going, are you, are you then going to want to accommodate some of what they've suggested into your plan? Um, 100% because the other reality is as we've seen on the floor at other occasions there'll be amendments I, I'm, I am speculating here but there'll be some amendments coming to the floor during the debate because if but you, can you amend a Cersei in that not, manner? Not a Cersei. No so if, but, the, if it's successful yeah, then none of that yeah. happens. No if, if it's successful everything else stops and the Cersei will be introduced first. Um, the reality is as much as I support the concept of the Cersei to give us that opportunity to change. I'm also aware it's deemed as kicking the can down the road and all the other aspects of timing. Um, but it's got that fundamental question that has to be debated and we can see the direction of, of what that will mean because you are 100% correct. That would then um, um, terminate all the other um, amendments from from um, be, being laid in effect. And you mentioned that you know that if if it eventually concludes that well government has to be bigger and we do want all this stuff and so we are going to need higher expenditure. Then at that point we we need to uh, say to the public well we'll need to increase um, the revenue. Would you then support a GST? Um, the GST would be a tool used in the way that PNR have have described it or, or let's say promoted it. it. It could have its benefits, but why bring that in when we have the other aspects or the other levers we can tweak? And also, why don't we also focus on the growth aspects so we're not even in that situation? To give you a, um, there are a range of opportunities. For example, um, you may be aware that. Uh, Deputy Mayfield, myself and a group of other deputies have been working on renewables and, and looking about uh, the, the, the leasing of the seabed and the opportunities. This could bring in, this has the potential of bringing in great wealth um, for the island as well as securitization, um, securing our own energy for ourselves and protection against any other future costs, etc. So there are areas there, you know, we should be looking at all those. But as soon as we start regressively taxing and slowing the economy who are already the smaller businesses are already being impacted by lots of other costs on top of this we're not in a, as acting as an island of a 65,000 people to grow us and, and 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 then ensure that with the concept of the Cersei we would know how how far the extreme i suppose would be a nanny state how far do we want to go um to protect and look after our citizens in the long term but, and these are very long-term solutions that you're talking about but the problem is more sort of medium term isn't it i mean for one thing uh, as part of the solution that's already been agreed Social Security contributions are being ratcheted up every year. We've had two years of increases. We're going to have another eight um, to bring in an extra 34 million people from those very hard-pressed people that you're talking about, the small businesses and, and individual households. So the plan is in place, and your Cersei will ensure that continues as against the PNR plan, which will relieve people of that additional burden and 
um, increase the uh, money in the pockets of uh, the lowest paid on the island in order that they can more than absorb the GST that's imposed. Well, it's 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 it's, it's almost an element of Peter to pay Paul that you're taking from one to, to give to the other. But the net effect for the yeah. for those on modest incomes is positive. The net Do you dispute that? Um, th- I do dispute that because we're starting on the premise that we're taking the money from them in the first place because to cover the cost of this we're going to have to put more money across allocate more money so as an employer all the employers know that their um, social security employer insurance doesn't actually give anything it keeps on increasing um, but that has to be borne by the employer the employer still has to pay the extra two percent on the secondary pension as well as the increase on the um, you know um, em- employee side etc we are just pushing all of it in 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 the one direction. We all know that it, it's a it's a tricky uh, well not a tricky it's a very difficult situation. But we also have to make the look at the assumptions of how the accounts are being presented to us. So this is the aspect where I believe the fairer amendment has is has been very prominent, and this is why they will be getting my support um, because they are they have the challenges on how the information is presented. And there are a lot of assumptions in there. So I do not deny in any form or shape that PNR haven't done all their work with their offices to look at all the balances there. I did have an interesting conversation with Deputy Latoc, where where um, at, at, at a point he was considering that or, or suggesting that maybe rather than having 15% of the first £30,000, as in the new proposal, uh, maybe that'd be lower to 12. I mean, look at Isle of Man, it's 10%. Um, and then they and then they they um, pull in all the rest of it through their their sort of GST version, which which is a considerable amount. So so and that's what they've done. Uh, looking at the presentations of PNR, they've they've looked carefully at the the difference between the compensation of of um, uh, GST to how much tax etc. So uh, but they're creating a new lever to do that. Why don't we look at the area we've got, look at the corporate tax, work on those? Now, I believe in um, in the um, fair amendment, there will be kind of identifying a, a team um, of, you know, we do have, we are lucky to have uh, deputies such as uh, uh, Deputy Trott, um, Deputy St-Pierre, um, um, Deputy Parkinson, you know, with, with this sort of tax, the financial knowledge as well as politically savvy. So I could see that. What I also see happening is this is going to um, uh, reposition PNR in a sense because th- these are, you know, I see it as a sort of a, a more um, junior deputy, let's say, more inexperienced deputy. I can see the, the vying for, for, um, for the PNR for power. If this doesn't succeed with getting a decision at this assembly, we are going to be sitting in this almost a vacuum or a void for the remaining part of the of the term if we don't get a conclusive decision on, on how, how to go. But the adoption of PNR's proposals would be a conclusive decision. And one of the proposals is to report back, I think it's by November, with that analysis of 
the way to go forward in extracting, I think, up to £20 million extra in corporate tax. Yes. So that's in train anyway, isn't it? That That is in train. It doesn't fit with Charles Parkinson's um, amendment because he believes you know, we, that could be that could be increased. So um, so that's it. that forms one part of it. I think also within the PNR one, they have the financial levy aspects. So, so the, the pieces are there. But the key is this, is... Um, the majority of the focus of the people of Guernsey is directly targeted at the no GST. I have spoken to um, um, motor traders, uh, the Guernsey Hospitality Association, the retail groups, not one single group, not one person I have spoken to has actually wants us to go anywhere near GST. Now, we can't, talk, can't always please everyone and we can't do what's required. So PNR have taken a very heavy step to actually reach the point to put this as the sole one. I am one of 40 deputies or 38 deputies, two old representatives, who have an obligation to look at how we perceive this. If I could see this as being the only solution, I would be there standing by it now. But it is not the only solution. In my personal opinion, I think the fairer amendment, um, if the Cersei fails, is is got the 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 strongest range of um, um, of reaching um, points. They've worked very hard on it. I do. I really, you know, commend um, both deputies for that piece of work, um, and um, and Deputy Parkinson as well. Um, for me, Deputy Parkinson, as I mentioned earlier, is 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 just a little bit too early. But we still have time to to study the other implications and what it could do if we could work with other jurisdictions. Uh, we've got uh, coming up at the weekend a uh, a march and a rally um, in St Peter's Port uh, against GST. Are you planning to appear and to speak at that rally? Um, most definitely appear. Um, it'll be two o'clock at the North Beach, and then heading to the um, to the Market Square. Um, the speaking. Um, this has been fundamentally sort of driven by the people. So there's some uh, some really good individuals who have been bringing that together. Um, they will. I'm sure they will invite um, certain um, um, deputies. I imagine to to give them some support. They have my support. I will be behind them and I will be attending there. And I do encourage anyone who can come along to come along, um, either for the, for the march or to join at Market Square. And I would also say if, if people want to um, um, talk and remind deputies who um, did state that they were um, anti-GST when they were campaigning, um, to come to the steps of the Assembly um, you know, on the day on the 25th of, of January um and because this is um this truly is a point where i have not witnessed this um as much before where every single group every single um, element of society and business and um representation are all standing together against gst doesn't mean they all have the same the right solution for what happens next but this is clear and i wish that pnr could could work around that aspect because this approach now strikes me it's it's going to be perceived as very bullish um, but, but but rather than trying to make some adjustments now, um, it's going to be just debated and um, and I think it's going to be quite a harsh uh, debate on the floor on the day. 
I'm sure you're right in saying that they won't all have uh, the, all those disparate groups in society the same solution to the problem. I, I was um, uh, somewhat bemused by the uh, when after you came to pose for these photographs for us uh, with your note to GST, um, we, myself and uh, my colleague Benoit, rang round all, all nine deputies to, to ask for your alternative visions as to what else might be done if we're not going to bring in a GST. And um, I had already noted that the uh, Guernsey Motor Trades Association were helping you with your campaign and were um, using uh, allowing uh, petrol forecourts to be, uh, garage forecourts to be used for, the, for your posters. And uh, one of your number, Deputy Chris Letitia, suggested that one of the alternatives would be to hike up motor tax and I thought well isn't, isn't that sort of Guernsey politics in a nutshell it's easier to galvanise around a no campaign um, than it is to, to persuade anyone to introduce a new tax but one way or the other the, the revenue has to be raised yep. do you recognise that irony? 100% and this was so in effect it was, it was two pronged one was the no to GST at the end of the day we are deputies of the people we're elected by the people and this is strongly you know, not an option people want. However, you're 100% correct, you have to have the alternatives. But the alternatives started from um, November, when we have the policy letter, until the 25th of January. So that's particularly what, you know, I will further add my recommendation for the fair amendment, because in that time they did that. The way that I bred my time was one, supporting the campaign, two, working with others to see on the alternatives, and also piecing together almost working as a team. This is this is too big for any one deputy, any one team. So it's actually looking, we all have a different, um, let's say, interests or skill sets and understandings of, of the economy and the pieces there and the levers, but it's and, and trying to constantly go out to find those find those um, you know, ways or opportunities or teaming up with others. Uh, there are, of course, many politicians and civil servants who will say that uh, the investigation into alternatives began not on the 28th of November, when the policy letter was published but when the tax review panel was set up and they've been looking into all those alternatives but I appreciate that you don't see it from from their point of view uh, but um, I, I realise it's a very busy time for all uh, politicians at the moment so Deputy Blinn I appreciate you coming today to speak to the Guernsey Press. Great, thank you very much. That was Deputy Chris Blinn speaking to me on Thursday morning. He was one of those present at Saint-Pierre Park on Monday evening to hear the alternative solution being presented by Deputies Charles Parkinson and Liam McKenna. You can hear interviews with Deputy Parkinson and fellow panellist Corinne LePage of the Guernsey Retail Group by scrolling back on this podcast feed. Also present were some of the members of the public who actually organised the Say No to GST campaign and in particular particular the march and rally scheduled for Sunday the 22nd of January. To get their thoughts on that and the presentation, I spoke to Rachel Pressland and first Karen Jolly. I think it's gone really well actually. I mean there's a lot of people here and hopefully the message has got across because it is a regressive tax and frankly um, so many retailers are going to go under. Um, that poor guy asked the question earlier he was almost in tears bless him so yeah we've got to do something to stop it there are other ways and one of them would be for the states to cut some of their spending some of these massive projects that they don't need you know will we have a black hole if they actually didn't do those for a while um one of the criticisms that's been leveled at a 
um, opponents to GST has been um, the lack of an alternative uh, to this uh, solution or seen as a solution as a predicament. Do you feel that um, an alternative was well espoused this evening? Yes, I think so. And I'm going to Andy Sloan's talk on Thursday and uh, I'd be interested to see what he says. Yes, I think, yes, Anne's going as well. Um, because he's going to release all these figures then and he's, um, he's got some inside knowledge. It's a bit out of date, but, you know, he, he's better able to understand what might work and what, what won't. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we've also got to get some transparency in the States. We have to have our accounts produced to an auditing standard, a recognised auditing standard, not their own Guernsey standard, which is whatever they feel like at the time, because then we can trust the figures a lot better. Because how can you one year predict a 30 million deficit and it ends up as a 30 million surplus? Can <laughs> I ask you what you made of uh, this evening's proceedings? Um, I actually thought it was really good. I was very interested to hear what Charles had to say. Um, and yeah, actually, I've, I've come away feeling quite informed and I think what he's saying is right. Um, there's obviously uh, the, the, the Say No to GST campaign that you instigated uh, along with uh, your, your colleagues um, and some deputies have sort of uh, joined in on that. Are you, are you uh, enthused by the amount of sort of expertise and knowledge that they've been able to bring to your arguments against GST? Um, yeah, it's nice that they're all against GST and they are supporting us. Um, but yeah, I mean, you need a wide circle of information from different people because everybody's against GST for lots of different reasons um, but yeah no it is nice to have the support of the deputies. And uh, what are your expectations for the uh, rally and protest on Sunday um, with regard to you know, people making speeches there and presenting arguments there? Um, we're lining up speakers this week we're trying to sort of finalise all the finer details but um, I think we've got three lined up for definite. So, yeah, I think we've got three lined up for definite, possibly four. So, yeah, but we want to obviously keep it short and sweet because it's winter and we want the public to not be hanging around and standing around for too long. But, yeah, I'm hoping it will be bigger than the school protest. Uh, for the school protest, you had how many? Um, I think it was between 2,500 and 2,800, roughly. So you're hoping for a similar turnout this time? Yeah, or potentially bigger, because I think people really do, for this, because it affects everybody, need to come out and show in numbers that they really are against it. Rachel Pressland there. And if you wish to add to those numbers, that gathering is at North Beach at 2pm on Sunday the 22nd of January with a subsequent rally in Market Square. There's also a protest planned on the steps of the Royal Court ahead of the state's meeting itself at 8.30 on Wednesday. And don't forget that whether you're for or against GST or any other proposal of the states, you are entitled to a seat in the public gallery to watch the proceedings. For everyone else, we'll have comprehensive coverage in our pages on sale for £1.5 at your local newsagents. There'll also be a quick roundup of every day's proceedings right here on this feed with my colleague Matt Fallais and me, Simon Delarue. Bye for now.